This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Fresca, and welcome back to our podcast. So what do we got today, Tom? Well, today we're going to be looking at probably one of the most famous, even though it's pretty recent, but definitely one of the most perplexing airplane disappearances of all time. We're looking at the Malaysian Airline Flight 370 that uh, disappeared uh, basically on its way from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing in, uh, what was it, March 8th, 2014. And as you probably hear about in the news because they believe they found some debris and so that. You hear about this news recently with some other airplane crashes and disappearances and trying to recover like the, the uh, F-35 that just recently um, crashed or the stealth fighter trying to find the debris. But this one is a little bit different because it's a passenger plane. And I remember when this happened, obviously, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Well, yeah, it wasn't that long But ago. it just kind of, but it was all of the news because like, how does this plane just totally disappear? disappear. That's the whole point. It just yeah. disappears. Yeah. And there's so much here to unpack. And what we're going to do is we're going to go over kind of the basic timeline of what transpired. Then we'll get into the search itself and how that's, the search in itself kind of brings up a lot of questions and maybe some hidden agendas by various governments, which we'll get into. And then that kind of leads us into, I guess, theories of what might have happened. And we could finish up with some, you know, hypothetical theories, because obviously some people are like, it's the aliens. No, it probably was not the aliens. No aliens. You know, no. So- yeah, it's like, again, if you go and research this yourself, especially if you research on like YouTube or like Reddit, you're going to go down a rabbit hole. Like some of the things that were popping up about like black holes and like not just ufos aliens black holes that they're still alive you know john bonnie ramsey was a pilot like you see all this like crazy stuff out there but yes and it's funny because there's right i know i know well that's well that's what happens when you can't explain it right like if you can't explain something with rational thought you tend to go uh, into know. the irrational well we don't but yeah. some people do who needs right? rational thought anymore facts rational thought come on it's fact it, i know it's 2023 I know. I know you're right you can just make, <laughs> you can just make things up but they say that this remains one of the greatest aviation mysteries in history. I, I don't know. I feel like there's so many aviation mysteries in history that I, don't, I wouldn't say this is the greatest one. However, well, it's the largest, I guess you could say, right? I mean, obviously, people always wonder what happened to Amelia Earhart, which has been in the news again recently, too. They're thinking they found some more information on her. She's probably, I'd say, one of the most famous ones. But this was definitely the big... But not 239, 239 people. And it's recent. It's one thing if something happens in the 1930s, you're like, yeah, okay, that makes sense how a plane is lost. This is 2014. These things has, you know, transponders, and it did change a lot of stuff with aviation too. Yep. No, we'll talk about that as well. Like I said, 239 people on board just disappeared. This is very much like like Lost. You know, like like when the show Lost came out, this is I never very watched much reminiscent never, of that. Never watched, never watched Lost? I never watched Lost. I never watched Survivor. I only watched like four episodes of Seinfeld. Like, I'm the, I don't know. Wait, stop right there. You only watch four episodes of Seinfeld? Maybe a few bad. more. Maybe a few more. Yeah, you watch WWE and you watch <laughs> Law and Order. I know. I watch I The know. Office. I watch Parks and Rec. I've seen those shows. Well, yeah, because if you don't, you're like culturally. <laughs> so I've, I've seen, I've, I know Seinfeld. I've, I definitely know the episodes, but you know. Well, needless to say, Lost, as everybody or most of people out there know, um, is about a plane that just kind of disappears. And there is obviously different surreal and not really realistic or grounded in reality explanations to it. But the guy of the newest TV show, the producer of the newest TV show, Manifest, I don't know if you saw this. I've heard of that. Like, I've heard of that show, yeah. Yeah, like Lance, and it's apparently like it was gone for like an hour, but really the people were gone for like five years or something like that. So the guy pitched that, supposedly, that idea to various networks right before 2014, like by 2013, early 2014. Everyone rejected it. Every network rejected it. And then after March 8th, 2014, he started getting phone calls back and people are like, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll pick the show up. Well, yeah, because now it's like topical. It's like it becomes, you know, 
yeah. are imitating life, and that's a whole different thing. So let's uh, let's kind of get into more or less what happened here. What do we know? All let's right. Well, it right. was a uh, Boeing seven seventy seven. Like we said, with yeah. two hundred and twenty seven passengers and twelve um, crew members. And this search was huge. It went all the way from the Indian Ocean, west of Australia, Central Asia. They were we've been looking for this thing for obviously years. But a flight takes off at uh, twelve forty one local time, so it reaches its cruising altitude, and it reports in and it's transmitting its day like its number two. But the last transmission was actually at one o seven a.m. So not not that long after it takes off, and it was switched off. And so that's they yeah. said that was kind of rare. You don't really see that, but nothing. Again, they're not thinking anything horrible with it. And the last voice communication from the crew occurred at um, 119 and 121. That's when the, um, yeah, when the plane's yep. transponder started uh, communicating with air traffic control was just switched off. And that's right around when it was entering Vietnamese airspace over the South China Sea. You do have some Malaysian military and civilian radar did start to track the plane on its own because it's flying in their airspace right around 2.22 a.m. So they know it was still in the air, at least at that time. Yep. So this is where it gets a little bit, you know, not conspiracy theory-esque, but confusing in a sense. Because there's routine communication throughout the whole thing, right? So the flight initially follows this planned route where it's yeah. going, you know, if it's going to Beijing, it's going like northeast. So imagine going up and to the right if you're looking at a map. And it's flying over the South China Sea between Malaysia and Vietnam. And at 121, everything's going well. It's going in the right direction. And then like a 121 beep, it just disappears from radar screens. And transponder shut down. Mm -hmm. This is this is what kind of was revealed later on. In order for the transponder, rather, that sends this information back and forth and communicates with the towers in order for that to stop working it has to be physically manually disabled inside yeah. the cockpit yeah which means someone in the cockpit turned off it's like gps signal yeah it, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like a, a, a failure or anything like that it, it wasn't no no it was mechanical off. failure someone actually had to switch it off and that's also was what, what was concerning because also at this time they determined that around that time it started uh turning west so it deviates to complete so the transponder like yeah. direction and you can see this on like the videos and stuff so the transponder is switched off and it starts turning west basically just flying over the uh, strait of uh malka in the sea so it's just flying there and like that's really not like west it just it went from yeah. going northeast it just, to, like, it just does this like huge hard turn and then it's just going over yep. open ocean and it's lost from there they think it just flew probably until 8 11 8 10 in the morning where they probably eventually ran out of fuel yeah, so this is interesting, too, because they're flying for hours, right? So it disappears from the radar. It makes a significant unexpected deviation, right, from intended flight path. It does communicate with the satellite, as you mentioned. And what essentially happens is the, it's, you know, the F Malaysian Flight 370 communicates through satellite pings. Yeah. Uh, it's like a British telecommunications company that, that Intermast, I think it's called, Inmarst. In that's what it's, Inmarst. And what it does is they're called handshakes. It basically, the plane like beeps it, and sends this intermittent data uh, points that indicates where it is, its approximate location. And it continues doing this for like six more hours. So even though it's not communicating with anybody, this particular satellite is like beeping it and tracking where it's going. Yeah. These and, what, and what I think makes some people kind of with the conspiracy, this, whatever, is that during this time too, like, they knew it changed course, but no one was really trying to make contact with the plane either, which I thought yeah. was kind of strange. Like, why are they not well, saying you're you're off course? What's the matter? You're off course. What's the matter? That wasn't taking place. Some people write about it. I believe they made notes, yeah. but no one tried to communicate and study with the plane. 
from what I saw. Well, did you know? Well, this is so what I was when I was reading about this, the reason for that is because by communicating with the plane, a lot of these Vietnam and all these other nations that are in that region would actually basically tell the world their radar capabilities. And to this day, a lot of those nations were very reluctant to even admit the fact that they were like pinging, you know, there's a ping of this. Yeah, because you they don't want to admit that they're following civilian aircraft and stuff like that exactly which gets to another malaysian flight we'll talk about i'm sure later on well yeah later on yeah but that's the key here it's like you have and eventually when a joint investigation team comes in that's the big key a lot of these nations are like like thailand right you have uh malaysia obviously even china and and vietnam they're they're like ah we don't really want to tell anybody where we picked up this plane on our satellites because that will basically showcase our military capabilities And therefore, we're not going to do that. And Malaysia itself actually has been criticized a lot, which we'll get into later. The sheer fact that some people believe that they're not even releasing the right information. Um, and there's some things that might suggest that, which we'll, we will get into as well. But basically, what ends up happening is the plane disappears. And initially, they had enough fuel, more or less, for like five and a half hours. And we know based on these pings that it was flying for like six and a half hours into the you know Indian Ocean, just flying. So highly likely, the belief is that it, it simply just ran out of fuel and dropped into the Indian Ocean. Yes, somewhere. Right. They, they're not sure. They still don't know exactly where, but they believe it was in the um, remote part of the Indian Ocean, about 1,500 miles southwest of Australia. That's basically where it was. And they don't think anyone on board you know, survived, but there's all these theories. Yeah obviously but they're just and once that plane crashes they don't think anything you know anyone survives and there's also questions on how does that go like how does the plane crash too that's a whole nother should be well first of all most of the people that were out of the 200 uh, you know something passengers because there's 12 crew members 153 out of the 227 passengers were chinese so china's the what the main country that's like uh pushing to find out what's going on exactly you need to tell us what's going on here some people are saying that the way it crashed and again some people you have scientists that kind of do this for a living but based on and we'll get into in a little bit based on the debris that they did find to- which took a long time right. to find that's oh, the thing. like years yeah, yeah like they, two years. they didn't find any debris until um july 29 2015. so they believe yep. they did hear some pings that they believe was the transponder and of its battery life and around april 8th after that they have absolutely nothing from this flight until July 29, 2015. So just keep that well, in mind. Well, because the ping, that's another thing that's kind of been changed since that. So they have longer batteries life now, right? Exactly. Those lasted 30 days, right? Is it 30 yeah, days? Yeah, something like that. 30, yeah. 30 days. Yeah, give um, or take. Th- give or take. And then the battery dies and you no longer hear like a little radar beep. Um, so now they're sort of installing better batteries to, you know, to give you more time to find because normally within 30 days, you find it. Yeah, but, yeah, I remember this is, this. but the, yeah, it's weird too. But yeah, well, because it, they didn't, they just had no idea really where it was. So if you're just stretching these remote parts of the Indian Ocean, like normally if a plane goes down, it's going to go down somewhere by land. So you can kind of narrow it down where it's going to be. If it goes on over water, you could believe they're trying to, you know, fly it. But this totally went away from any land when it did that hard turn west. Oh, yeah. And it was over the Indian Ocean. But the one guy that I saw said that based on the debris they did find, which isn't a lot, by the way, the plane had to have hit the water vertically. So it just had to just like go down, straight down, because if it hit at any other angle, it would have broken into bigger pieces. pieces yeah. Like they said, it would have just been all over the place. So the plane highly likely had to just like literally just fly and just nosedive straight down into the Indian Ocean. And they did confirm um, that it was from that. They found about 26 pieces of debris by like uh, Mozambique, South Africa, in that general area. 
I mean, just yeah, think how far, right? The currents took it in the grand scheme of things. First things first, Malaysia, uh, Malaysian government, prime minister goes on TV, says, all right, these guys are presumed lost and presumed dead. Initially, they're like, well, the last ping official transmission we have, they were right on course over the South China Sea when they were still going northeast. And that's kind of where the first you know, response to try to find them starts until Malaysia's like, well, actually, they, they kind of veered off to the left. Like they don't right away. No, that, that doesn't come out for later on. Yeah, like you said before, they're, the governments are kind of wary about giving too much information on here. So they're like, well, the last recording thing, they were in the middle of the South China Sea heading in northeast direction. So that's where we're going to start looking. And in reality, they were not even remotely close to that completely opposite direction. So then that does come out like, okay, yeah, they did veer off. So that kind of adds a whole nother layer to this mystery and they are presumed lost. So now let's start the investigation and the search. There are some reported sightings, obviously, right? You have uh, in March 19th, 2014, CNN reported that there were witnesses, uh, specifically fishermen that basically saw an airliner. One guy said he claimed he saw low flying flames aircraft. come out, right? Yeah, it was inflamed. Then another person, same thing. It was actually someone that was sailing in a sailboat. Some British woman was, and she said that she caught an aircraft on fire going really, really low. Nothing has been corroborated since then. But the search and rescue efforts launched right away. This is to this day the most expensive rescue efforts for a downed plane. Yeah, because they're looking in, like I said, in the middle of the ocean. And actually China in Malaysia in Australia, they call off the search in January of 2017. Then they, um an American company by the name of Ocean Infinity received permission by the Malaysian government to continue searching. They're doing like, you know, underwater drone submarines and stuff like that. Yep. They search until May 2017. I think they're trying to get permission again with some new evidence. They want to continue to look in a different part. Well, the last one I saw is that the United States company, so Malaysia said, look, we'll pay you if you find something. But apparently the U.S. company had found something last time that they have not released yes. to the Malaysian government. And the Malaysian government's like, look, we're not going, like right now in 2023, they're, they're like, we're not going to send you or allow you back to look for this unless you give us the information that you are holding back from us. So God knows what they found. The American company's not telling the um malaysian government yeah, it's really weird there's all this like secrecy like if you have information you know just weird right just release it it's awesome a lot of the um families are very mad at malaysian government they just don't uh they don't trust them they're, oh yeah they're saying they're just not oh, releasing yeah. information that should be released or not telling us what happened to their loved ones it's got to be horrible to think about that you know yeah but at the same time like the malaysian government the total thing right now the cost of this search oh, it's already super has expensive been- yeah 155 million, yeah. right? And out of the 155 million, 60% came from Malaysia. Australia did 30 uh, something, and China did like 10%, even though it's the Chinese people that are the most upset about this, yeah. wanting to know what happened. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of the new Medal of Honor podcast from Evergreen Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum. In each three-minute episode, We'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II, and people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. 
Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts. With regards to what the Malaysian government is doing or not doing, so a so, few things. Uh, one is the ma- massive belief that the government's hiding some information that is obviously covering this up. But some theories suggest that the Malaysian government or its officials may have like political motives, right? Hiding whatever they know. That could range from protecting the reputation of the airline, which, as we're going to get into in a little bit, literally bankrupt. The country's aviation industry as a whole, trying to avoid a potential embarrassment for the fact that they saw this thing go completely left and didn't do anything about it. There's also claims that the Malaysian government might be withholding information about the flight due to national security concerns. Speculation that's centered on the possibility of like sensitive military intelligence activities that were occurring in the region where the plane disappeared. Again, we don't know. Then there's some critics accused the Malaysian government that, that aviation authorities are just incompetent and negligent in handling any initial search, which kind of screwed it up going forward. And then there's the lack of transparency from that's the government. The, that's probably the big one, into. yeah. That's probably a big one. Well, last one, I guess, is the concealing pilot involvement, because this one's big. Um, yeah. Well, the, so you want yeah. you want to get into that? Yeah. Right? So this one basically goes with, again, they don't know why it went down, right? So there's a lot of speculation. They really don't, when I say they, the authorities, they really don't think it was any sort of, there was talk about maybe mechanical failure or there was a de, uh, depressurization of the cabin, right? And everyone passed out and it just, and that's, that's what I thought. It passed out and autopilot just went just left. Went, just went left and then that just goes. But there's also a lot of, they don't believe it could have been hijacking only because like no one ever claimed responsibility for it. And why would you just fly to the Southern Indian Ocean? It makes no sense, you know, to do something like that. And they know the signals had to most likely had to be switched off from inside the aircraft. That's why the speculation was a lot of times it was, it could have, it was like suicide by one of the crew, particularly maybe the captain. And this all comes out because in 2016, New York Magazine did a report on the captain, which you're not going to put his name, but basically what they found out is that in his at-home flight simulator, which is like this Well, the huge, FBI figured this out. The yeah. FBI figured they went to his home and found out this in this flight simulator, he'd flown pretty much very similar. That same course. That exact course is <laughs> over the Indian Ocean less than a month before the plane vanished. Yeah. And it closely matched the final path of the airline. Like, why are you practicing that flight on this at-home flight simulator? Exactly. doesn't really make much sense. And then they start looking into his personal life and see he was having marital problems, things of that nature. Now, all of they can't prove anything. His family members say, no, he would never do something like this. That's, you know, he, doesn't, he, didn't, he wasn't that nature. But um, yeah, the Microsoft Flight Simulator X program, which a lot of people use to like practice flying, uh, the FBI that recovered these, del- there were deleted data points, by the way. He deleted... Yeah those flights from the program, but yeah. nothing is really deleted, you know, especially yeah. if you have the FBI working on it. They basically found point records of the airplane's altitude, speed, direction of flight, other perimeters at the given moment that were identical to what we know the plane was traveling Which, towards. Which, if nothing else, is just unbelievably coincidental. Like, yes. for a piece, it's such, it was such a remote place in the Indian Ocean. So to just deviate that much and be in that right around that same spot, it just... I don't know. Like, hey, I, a little fishy. You can see, no how, pun you can see, you can see how that could be uh, something that's going to raise a lot of red flags and, you know, raise some theories. But again, it's impossible to prove. It's impossible to really know. Well, yes, but this is also where you have the red flag for the Malaysian government. Because when this comes out, the New York Times basically announces that they have this information. The Malaysian government and officials are like, no, no, we, that's not real. No, no, that's not true. That didn't happen. And then the FBI findings are later confirmed. And like, no, that actually, that is, it's a hundred, yeah, they said, no, it didn't happen. Like, no, no, this is what happened. Yeah. So it's kind of like, and that takes credibility away from the yeah. Malaysian government. And now they're just it's not like, going to believe uh, really anything that is basically said 
But yeah, but there was also talk that it was shot down, but there's no evidence of like a missile or anything like that. Yep, but there no. was some some talk about that. Well, besides being shot down, the, the, there's a few things here. One, there was a lot of cargo. Did you see that? That it had yeah. a lot of uh, lithium ion batteries on board that yes. were being brought over. And, and planes purposely don't do that anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Because they said that they get really hot if you if you know any change in temperatures or anything else, the lithium ion batteries are supposedly extremely dangerous. And this one, this particular plane was actually carrying a whole lot of lithium ion batteries, which can very easily cause fire, which again, this ha- this has happened in other flights that they were mostly air. I mean, they were all air on cargo. Aircraft. Cargo. Yeah. They don't usually. But, yeah. But, but again, and I get that and I it's obviously can happen, but then that doesn't explain how the transponder goes off. Yes. That is still the, still the key. Like that's what key is what makes it and why it veered off so much. If there was a explosion, that would the plane wouldn't fly for six hours after an explosion. True, right? You would think. No, you're right. It is fishy. There's no question about it. And there's but there's also a couple other things. You saw that there's two Iranian guys that had fake passports that were on the plane. Yeah, they don't believe they did anything, but yeah, they are not believed they were asylum seekers. They believe yeah. so they did have that. But yeah, there was talks that you know the plane uh, was hijacked and redirected. Idea that the plane cracked and fell apart because of like faulty um, construction or pilot sabotage. There's some people believe that, oh, it went into a second Bermuda Triangle. They were abducted by aliens, sucked into a black hole. That's actually people believe that the plane just flew up to the moon and the people are, are kept in a secret moon base up there. Yeah, they're hanging out with Elvis. I, I don't know why, um, that how that one well, suddenly happened. But. One of the hijackings, you said hijacking and diversion and stuff. I mean, obviously political terrorist motives, but one is, this one's kind of interesting, is that this was a, a cyber hijacking. Yeah. That someone is just messing around and basically, because I mean, that is possible. Which would be terrifying, which is terrifying. Very Yeah, but it's possible, yeah. which is what makes it crazy. But that's someone, some hacker literally rec- remotely controlled and hijacked this entire, they turned off the transponder and they hijacked this plane and just basically played around with it like they were playing Microsoft, you know, simulator, flight simulator, and just flew it out for like, you know, just for giggles. Yeah, then they just um, around, I guess. Then there's the passenger hijacking again. There's some theories by the crew members, uh, some being Iranians and not having real passports. But as you said, that was, one guy was like 19, one was 29, they had no bad records. Then there's also government involvement, uh, alleged involvement of government agencies or military organizations from various countries, really. Uh, the speculator that there was like hidden agendas or secret operations. Maybe there was somebody on that flight um, that we don't know about that was being moved. One is like kind of also as crazy as you were saying to fly in the moon, but they actually landed on some remote island or base. Yeah, um, I saw that one quite a bit. They landed on this base, but I don't know. They never said why they landed there, just that they landed on this base. It was an American base, kind of right? Crazy, right? Wasn't it an American base? Yes. That it's on some base and they're they're going through some tests or some kind. Yeah, but why take a, a civilian aircraft? I mean, I get it, but like sometimes the sim- most simplest solution is to answer. You know? But it's just weird. A guy literally went left. Like if you look at a map on this plate, he was just like, nah, I'm going to go that way and turn off any communication and then just disappear. I don't know. I think it's it's a little crazy. Since then, a lot of different things have happened. Uh, one, the transponders rather have been updated they're basically trying to create these tamper proof circuit breakers inside the plane so you can't but, shut it off yeah exactly but the pilots are against this they're like no no i need to be able to shut it off it's like they want this autonomy and there's they're still going back and forth about trying to really come up with a 
perfect solution. Uh, flight recorders. They're saying that the flight recorders need to have longer than 30-day battery life. So underwater locator beacons, the ULBs, the pingers, as they call them, we need longer than 30 days. Clearly, we're having a hard time finding these things. So going forward, this needs to last longer. So that's like talking about more you know, lithium-ion batteries on there. But remember, Malaysian Airlines kind of goes under shortly after this. Yeah, this is important to know. Because yeah. just a few months... It's a two-punch. Yeah. It's a two-punch. On July 17, 2014, uh, Malaysian Air Flight 17 is actually shot down. That they know what happened. It's shot down by a um, by the Russian Federation by a um, anti-aircraft missile barrage, where it actually yeah. flies over the airspace. This is during the um, Ukrainian, your, the early the Ukrainian, early Ukrainian war in Crimea. Yeah, it gets it gets shot down there. And this is this is different. They actually know who shot it down. Those people are, I believe, found actually put on trial in the Netherlands, right? Yeah. And this is only months later. Same. And more people died in this one. Same same, uh, yeah. same plane, but more people. And that was basically more or less the beginning of the end for the Malaysian. Um, well, they were already losing because... money before this. It just also people got upset because right, when you lose a plane, the shrimp sponsors, everything, like, that's one of those things. But a lot of the other airliners in this area were purposely not flying that close to the Russian-Ukrainian border because they were just like worried. Because they were saying, oh, no, you, uh, you know, military radar, that can tell the difference between a commercial airline or a military airline. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, really modern ones can. But a lot of the anti-aircraft, you know, radars used at that time in this war, because they were used by like rebels or used by people on this different sides. Like they weren't advanced enough to really between a commercial airliner and a military airliner. So if they're not sure, they were just going to shoot them down. All the things are yeah. automated too. It picks up a, uh, a plane, it's going to fire its missile. A lot of the people that were using the Malaysian Airlines were actually Chinese citizens. And yeah. since these two events, massive boycotts. Actually, to the extent that a lot of different Chinese ticketing agencies to this day just basically discontinued selling airline tickets to Malaysia. Like, there's just no point. Large Chinese travel agencies basically reported a 50% drop in tourists compared to the same period, like years before. China was the third largest source of visitors to Malaysia prior to the disappearance of Flight 370. And it just, just basically plummets down. They're not going there anymore. In fact, flights by 2015, flights from Malaysia to China had to be canceled because there just wasn't enough people to get on the to not even fill a plane. Like it was like two people that went and they're like, yeah, we're not going to make this flight. So they started canceling flights. Now, Malaysia Airlines itself, a few things. Obviously, it eventually becomes taken over by the government. The government has to protect or save this company. Uh, it is given like 110 million from insurance companies so they could start paying off these people, these family members. And that really puts them in a kind of a slump, financial slump, which then you have the government has to step in and basically save the company. But in 2017, Malaysia Airlines announced that they would be the first airline uh, to sign up for this new service that would track its airplanes anywhere in the world using orbiting satellites. So it's almost like giving up autonomy and like it's almost like it's our flight, it's our flight pattern. But now you're giving that up like, no, world satellites could track us. We're cool. With yeah, that. they have to be in case something like this happens again. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't know I if know. I'm in an airplane, I would like, I would like you know, to be, know that it's being tracked on radar. So it's going the right way or I don't know. It's just crazy how many things go wrong. It just It is interesting that when you start thinking about it, like, it's still a safe means of travel. Airplane crashes, as scary as they are, yeah. it's but, nothing compared to car crashes. It happens so much more. That's what, I mean, well, just, yeah. And, and there's a lot of planes up there. If you ever, you know, just look at the number of planes flying in the sky, you can like forget the image. It's crazy. Like some of the things are just blocked out because there's so many planes up there. But yeah, they are still, that's why it's so big news though. Also, when something like this happens, particularly if one just vanishes. And that's what happened with this Malaysian Flight 370. It's not so much that the plane crashed and, and the loss of life. That's horrible. But it's also like you're not going to know what happened to it. And you're probably never really going to know 
what totally happened to it because they still only found just debris. There's so much of this plane that was not found. So let's talk about some of the newest things we got going here because one of the things that has been studied extensively uh, because like I said, we did, did find parts of this plane, smaller parts, like one of part of a wing, you know, uh, here or there, like a step to stairs, like nothing big, but they found little things. But right now I just read recently about these barnacles, yes. you know, marine like crustacean, you know, crusta ocean thingies, whatever. Basically they're like- They grow usually something that's in, in water. Yeah, like shell, kind of think of like shells, like growing on things. And the parts of planes, you know, that were washed up had these barnacles growing on them. And scientists have developed methods for reconstructing the drift of the ocean debris um based on how these barnacles grew on these pieces of plane which i think is awesome like they could figure out like more or less what direction depth right these pieces came from by studying how these barnacles grew on them the more they study these barnacles the more it'll like give them like a gps signal i mean who does this you know like who like whose job is that i think that's awesome you know, yeah. like this barnacle grew to the left a little bit at this degree. Well, they're able to it, tell so much. Discoloration. Yeah. So anyway, we're still there. finding new things. Yeah, there's a report a couple of weeks ago that came out that it was in that they believe the plane was found in the uh, Cambodian jungle. Cambodian jungles. Yeah, so that's one that I saw on like Reddit and stuff like that. But there's still so little of the plane that was found. There's a couple like pieces of the wing yeah. and stuff like that cabin piece they got to find like they've never found their transponder, the black box, which is supposed to be a recording. Yeah. They'll know exactly know what what happened if they find yeah. that black box. You know, I think that, I mean, we're pretty much done. Uh, one thing is, this is this happened in 2014, uh, so it's almost 10 years ago. And when you, when you start studying, like, what is history, usually they say for something to be history, it needs to have 10 years, right, of, like, maturity in a sense, so you could look back at it. So I guess this is still considered current events. Yeah, yeah, but it's also history because looking back at it, there's not that much more that's found out. That is like, true. Looking, like, you can look back at it, but what do they really know? It's not much they know 10 years later that they didn't know then. At least that's not what's released to the public, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do they They know. They know. Wow. Who's they? And, well, I don't and, know. And what are they? Now we sound like conspiracy theorists. That's, like, they that, know. That's, that's not this podcast. There's plenty of those out there. No. But we try, to, no. we try to do facts here. But yeah, I mean, what happened? Who knows? Like, no one's really going to know. Could it, The pilot could have done something. There could have been some sort of mechanical failure that led to cabin pressure. Maybe it was aliens. Well, all we're going to leave. What we're going to leave you guys with is who turned off that the transponder. That's the thing that you have to do. If, if it can only be turned off exactly. from the cockpit, that has to be some person that got into the exactly. cockpit or was in the cockpit turned it off. And I think da, 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 da. if you can find out if we ever find out what happened to the transponder that can lead to some other clues. But again, I don't think we're doing any groundbreaking search or conclusions by coming to that idea, you know? Yeah, but that is what we're going to leave our listeners with. So you go, you know, whether you're conspiracy theorists or not, we'll leave you with that. Thank you so much guys for tuning in once more to our podcast. We do appreciate it. We were mentioned on NPR. Like that's kind of crazy, Tom. Yes. Well, that was kind of crazy. They mentioned our name, right? Not our names, but the name of the podcast. Well, our so. podcast. So shout out and thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That was really nice. Yeah. But anyway, so thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once more. If you need to find us, you can find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. Please make sure you guys follow us on any social media. Make sure you click that like, subscribe button. Make sure you leave us a comment. All those things are greatly appreciated. And tell your friends about us if you enjoy this podcast. So thank you so much, and we'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, everybody.
hope everyone enjoyed our podcast. And if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. History is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast. And the answer is that some women were seizing power or escaping slavery or spying for their country or creating artistic masterpieces while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts.